At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 169 of the best Reds podcast out there on the internet, if this is the only one you listen to. Uh, I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again today is our good friend, big fan of the Reds, this guy, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am well, and it's true. I do like the Reds. They are okay. <laughs> yeah, we kind of like the Reds. Uh, some some weeks you wonder why. Some weeks uh, it's more fun than others. This week has been a little, little of both. And we want to get into some of that. Did you get a chance to see the end of the uh, the the, fir- the I guess third game of the Ohio Cup series, the first one in Cleveland, um, where the Reds won when they were down to their final out? Did you get a chance to see the ending of that game? Um, I saw it in a delayed fashion the next day. I was asleep when it actually occurred. Yeah, big rain delay, and it was. Uh, but uh, I have to I have to mention it, and I didn't tell you before we started that I was going to talk about this, but it just occurred to me. I can't let this opportunity pass. To, to uh, I can't miss an opportunity to talk about Billy Hamilton, who uh, just yeah scores from first on a single to left uh, to score the go ahead run. What oh, Billy? <laughs> Billy? <laughs> Billy? <laughs> uh, he's so good. He's just he, he's he's not as good as I say he is. I know, but. Yeah, his, his on-base percentage now is in the neighborhood of league average. His defense is still great. He's he's helping this team. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Um, you know, file this under things that I, I probably should have seen at one point and missed, but apparently there was like a study done, I guess sometime last year, um, that basically said that because Billy Hamilton is so fast and because he so frequently scores once he gets on as a result of his speed – that like a 300 on base percentage for him is equivalent to like a 350 on base percentage for someone else. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he's hitting basically like he hit last year, which is more than enough to like, it's all-star level. Like when you combine his defense and his base running with his, you know, sort of adequate bat, like he's a very good player. And he's also on pace for approximately 7 million stolen bases this year. Yeah, that's sort of why I've been shooting for that league average number for on-base percentage, because it seems to yeah. me that if he can be a league average uh, guy in terms of getting on base, he does so many other things well, and the fact that he can run bases so well, it makes that on-base percentage, it bumps it up, I guess. And I don't know what the math would be on that, uh, how that would work out, but certainly better than uh, your typical league average on-base guy. And I think about Billy Hamilton, this is a thought I had uh, the other day. If this were 1985, Billy Hamilton would already be an all-star. I mean, you know, Vince Coleman was an all-star. He's not Ricky Henderson, but, you know, Ricky Henderson got all the acclaim for getting all the stolen bases. If we were in an era where stolen bases were uh, more valued uh, and, and, and people ran more, Billy Hamilton would have more, even more, even though he's he's leading the league. So uh, he, he, that's a little bit of a function of the era, although, on the other hand, he gets a little bit of credit uh, this era because of the advanced uh, 
the analytics because his defense is so good and we're able to measure that a little yeah. bit better and his base running is so good. So so maybe not, but so Billy Hamilton's good. That's all, that's all I'm asking you to say. Billy Hamilton's good. Billy Hamilton is good. Oh man. All right. Thank you for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is an episode number Oh no, let's uh let's let's talk about some other things. Let's talk about uh, Amir Garrett. You're one of the biggest fans of Amir Garrett that I know. You've been really high on him for a while, higher than uh, most of us. And uh, got some, uh, I guess, bad news about Amir Garrett, who today went on the 10-day disabled list with what has been called right hip inflammation, whatever that is. Uh, Brian Price said today that, uh, Reds manager Brian Price said that they expect doctors expect him to miss one start, but should be back in time for his next start. Now, we've heard Red's doctors say many times, and it turns out to be something completely different, uh, but uh, where does this rank on your worry scale, Jason? Um, I mean, if we're saying just missed one start, and, and if they sound pretty adamant on that, then it's I'm not too worried. I mean, it, it happens often enough that players get kind of banged up here or there, and it's like, oh, he needs a few days off. Um, if that's the case, then okay. Um I can't get too worried about it. You know, the the thing about Amir this year is that, like, it's just been home runs, I feel like. I mean, you know, the control is, is a noted, like, sort of comes and goes thing with him a little bit. He's going to falter on that at times. But he's given up home runs at a rate that I don't think is really sustainable. So I, I'm not too worried. Um, he doesn't have a big injury history. He doesn't, like, I don't know, you know, guys are going to occasionally get banged up. You know, he, I suppose, probably tweaked his hip or something. I, I'm... I'm certainly an old enough man to know how that feels. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I can't. The only thing that's stressful about that is that, oh, God, who are they going to start? But uh, but in terms of being worried about Amir, I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, and I do want to talk about uh, who's going to start, but uh, I'm going to ignore Devin Mezzarocco, who had the hip problems, and say that this seems to me that if, if Garrett's going to have some kind of issue that's going to cause me to miss the start, Seems to me right hip inflammation is much better than anything relating to his elbow or his shoulder. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, wait and see. Now, the question is, as you say, who's going to start? And the Reds picked up a guy named uh, Jake Buchanan off waivers today and added him to the 40-man roster. He'd been pitching in AAA for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Reds uh, have talked about maybe him taking that next start. Possibly Asher Wojciechowski, who just recently uh, was promoted uh, from AAA Louisville, and uh, you know he's he Asher Wojciechowski'd in his first uh, appearance, which was it was a very good uh, three point uh, three and two thirds inning appearance, in which he picked up the win. Um, but here, here we are. This this rest team's been fun. They're sort of still hanging around, you know, playing decent baseball. But we're talking about whether Jake Buchanan. Or Asher Wojciechowski, two people whose names I had never heard six months ago, are going to be getting a, a start in place of Amir Garrett. Hey, that's well, that's my that's my analysis. Ugh. Let me let me just take a minute to to talk about something here. And um, you know, Dick Williams, you've been on the podcast. If you're out there listening, uh, I just want you to understand that it's true that um, my right shoulder is a bad shoulder, but um, I believe I can still get the knuckleball over some of the time. <laughs> and, I, you know, school's out. My regular day job is teacher. So, you know, I'm available. Give me a call. <laughs> You're available. That's funny. Um, 
you know what? You might want to stay by your phone. <laughs> the Reds have, <laughs> have four guys that really probably should have been in their opening day starting rotation on the disabled list now uh, in terms of Anthony DiSclefani, Homer Bailey, Brandon Finnegan, Amir Garrett. That's a, that's a starting rotation. That's a good starting rotation. That's on the disabled yeah. list for the Reds right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> it just blows my mind. And and, and, and did we ever think we would be in in a position to say thank God for Scott Feldman? <laughs> exactly, Scott Feldman's been a, a sort of a savior in many ways, he, and he has pitched well. We make fun of Scott Feldman; he's stepped up when we when we need him. But we talk about oh Scott Feldman. We've complained about him in the rotation, and and you know people are complaining about Bronson Arroyo. I wrote something about Bronson Arroyo and sort of coming to the end of the road here today. But uh, we've got Tim Adelman in the rotation now. It's just a, a I have I find it difficult to to uh, complain too much about Bronson Arroyo in the rotation when we're talking about starting Asher Wojciechowski or someone whose name supposedly is Jake Buchanan. I'm pretty sure he exists, but I'm. I don't have any proof that there's a, actually a Jake Buchanan. So, uh, how are we supposed to process this? Uh, how are the Reds actually continuing to win games occasionally with this uh, starting ro- staff, starting rotation, that really is a triple-A starting rotation mostly? Well, they are sometimes hitting the baseball very hard, and they have this guy named Joseph Daniel Votto who hits third, and he helps a lot. And also Eugenio Suarez is, is very helpful. And, and Billy Hamilton. Yes, and uh, and Mr. <laughs> Billy Hamilton is true. Yeah, and, and I, I do want to talk about that offense. You're absolutely right. This offense has been incredible uh, this season, and it's been carrying the team. And, and it just does – to me, I, I, I'm just – I sort of fantasize about what if the Reds had their actual rotation healthy right now? This team, they'd be in first place. They, they'd, be, they'd be right in the thick of it, wouldn't they? No, they'd be in first place. Like, like let, let's take a minute here. Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to babble is what I'm going to do <laughs> while I take just a second to look at the team pitching staffs on fan graphs and look at starters and tell you that the Reds are 30th with a team ERA among their starters of 5.95. If the Reds had their projected starting rotation healthy, they would be in first place. Uh, well, that's amazing. It's amazing. The bullpen's been great. The offense, you know, Wick Terrell over at Red Reporter had a piece uh, earlier today about how uh, the Reds' offensive players lead all the major league teams, every team in, yes. in Fangraph's uh, wins above replacement, just for, yes. for the position players. The Cincinnati Reds. I mean, you know, the teams that they're ahead are, are teams that are right in the thick of things, you know, Yankees, Nationals. Uh, if this team had just healthy, uh, you know, I'm not asking for them to go out and trade for Clayton Kershaw. Well, okay, I am asking for them to go out and trade for Clayton Kershaw. Maybe they can trade Jake Buchanan for Clayton Kershaw. But if they had just just the healthy staff, the guys they currently have on their 40-man roster, I think you're right. I think this is a first-place team. They have, I mean, the Reds right now have six regulars who are above average hitters. And with the exception of Adam Duvall, who's just been a little bit above average, all six of those regulars, the other five of those regulars are well above average. Right. Um, You know, and then the other two are Jose Peraza and Billy Hamilton. And Billy Hamilton, as we know, brings enormous offensive value on the bases and, and then value otherwise they have 
what is it, four players with 10 home runs? Surely no one else in baseball has four players with 10 home runs. No, no, no one does, officially. No one else, uh, unless uh, someone's yeah. hit one tonight, uh, no one else in baseball has uh, four players. And that's, man, right. that's, that's not nothing. They're very very good offensive team and this is the point where i should probably make the following declaration i hope everyone out there is bracing themselves for this i was gonna i was gonna ask you about this if i but i would like to declare that i may have been wrong about adam (laughs) that's exactly what i was gonna ask you yeah um and not to say that adam duvall is gonna be a superstar but adam duvall may be the adam duvall we saw last year which is a decent little adam duvall a decent little player yeah that may be him for a few years yeah, I, I wrote this thing for Cincinnati uh, Magazine um, that I assume you saw because I know that you're my biggest fan and read everything that I write. Well, I did uh, read that, and that's why I was going to ask you about it. Um, but uh, I wrote this thing where basically I was looking at, at Duvall and Shebler, and you know they've both gotten out to really relatively good starts this year. And I was like, you know, they're both late bloomers. Let me look at other recent Reds late bloomers, guys who are kind of 25, 26, 27, when they kind of get established in the major leagues, which is late for a player. You know, normally if somebody's really a hot prospect, um, that tends to happen before the age of 25. You know, even Votto was kind of, at 24, was kind of pushing the line there, but he was still on the side where you think, okay, this is a real prospect. Um, whereas for Duvall and Schepler, maybe not. So I looked it up and, and you know, the guys I found, it was guys like uh, like Chris Sabo, Zach Kozart, you know, Todd Frazier. I went back to 1980. Um, and everybody who started out in their first full year with, you know, two wins above replacement or better, which is basically average or better player, really went on to have a pretty okay career. Like, the, you, you shouldn't expect these guys to be good for 10 years, but you should expect them to be serviceable and, and, and mostly good until they hit free agency. Um, and so... Seeing that, I was like, you know, and that's kind of what we're seeing from Adam Duvall. He looks like about a two-and-a-half to three-win player. Uh, you know, Shebler may be a tick better, but, you know, not too much better. That's what you're seeing from them is, is you know, and teams need that. You need lots of guys who are just, like, a little bit above average because not everyone is an MVP candidate. Not everyone is an all-star. You know, even the best teams, even the big red machine, right, had a few guys that were kind of, like, just solid. They were just, they were solid. They weren't bad. They weren't world beaters, but every team needs those. And, and Duvall and Shebler seem to be those guys. Uh, and you're, and you're right. I think that, uh, you may not get the long, longevity from these guys that, that show up in the major leagues a little bit late, but they can still have a, a decent prime. And, and that's what we're seeing. Hopefully from Duvall. I mean, we're 200 plate appearances into this year and it's still, you know, it's in the neighborhood of, uh, it's sort of what we saw last year, which is a good player. It's an, it's an above average hitter who plays good defense you know, he's not a, he's not a superstar. He may never probably never makes another all star team. But at this point, he's coming up on a thousand plate appearances in the majors, and he's been a tick above average as a hitter. And he's good defensively. And sure, you you take that. I yeah. mean, he's Every, yeah. Everybody can't be Joey Votto, right? Sadly, <laughs> sadly, yes. And and you know, uh, Scott Shebler, the other guy, and I think both you and I have have said in the past that we expect Shebler to have a little bit higher ceiling than Duvall because Sheber, well, Shebra's out hitting Duvall right now and uh, is two years younger. And I think that's the, that's the difference. Although Shebra got a little bit of a late start as well. Um, and and no one, no one expects him to, he's not going to be a red in 10 years either, but he's a guy I wasn't so sure about. I had hopes because he was great in the minor leagues, uh, mostly except for one, one year with the Dodgers in triple a and uh, had some, had some rough 
a rough start with the Reds last year. Went down to Louisville and hit, hit great, finished the season well last year. So he's starting to look like a guy that, uh, you know, maybe he's in the mix for the next, uh, you know, four years. Uh, you know, maybe the next good Reds team. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. extremely impressed with Scott Shebler. I agree. I, 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 and, you know, um, Shevler also has a reputation. One of the things I really bought into, I suppose I should say, um, being around the bats and kind of the uh, management and kind of hearing things, one of the things that I've, re- I've really bought into is just the notion that, like, certainly talent matters a lot, but um, also kind of the head matters a lot, you know, especially once guys get into AAA or AA. And I, I have a Delino DeShields interview that'll be incorporated into a piece that addresses some of this um that'll be incorporated incorporated into a piece coming up later on um but just the notion that guys who are willing to listen who are willing to try who are willing to sort of tinker or listen to coaches are more likely to be successful because they're not so stuck in their head or or set in their ways and you know that makes a lot of sense as soon as somebody expresses it to you it's like oh yeah if player A throws, you know, 95 and player B throws 95, but player A is stubborn and won't listen to anything and player B is always willing to listen to coaching, who are you going to bet on there? You're going to bet on player B every time. Um, and Shebler definitely has that reputation as somebody who who's willing to listen. He's going to do what's asked of him. Um, you know, he wants to – he's easy to get along with and, and all of that stuff that you really want in a player. So he has the talent and he perhaps has the, the right mindset. So we'll see. Um but it's it's hard not to be optimistic about Shebler. He has a really good reputation wherever he goes. It is, and it's creating a really interesting situation right now because Jesse Winker has started to pound the ball at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And where do you play him? You know, I mean, it's uh, it's a good situation to have, but Duvall and Shebler have not done anything to lose their spots necessarily. No, they really haven't. And, and, and we're, we're both fans of, of Winker, so it's a really going to be an interesting uh, situation to see how the Reds play that out. Yeah, I mean, the Reds probably have four players right now who are capable of starting in the major leagues and the outfield, and that's really not a bad problem to have. Yeah, great, great problem. Let's take a moment while we're talking about the offense to marvel over one Joseph Daniel Votto. Oh, he's just perfect. <laughs> he's just, you know, uh, he started out slow trying to do whatever he was trying to do, but he's got 12 home runs now, second on the team to Shebler's 13. He leads the team in, can you believe it? Runs batted in. Got 38 ribeye stakes. Uh, 422 on base percentage. I mean, <laughs> Joey. A slugging percentage almost 600. Oh, Joey. I know. <laughs> he's great. He's 33 years old, and he's showing no signs of slowing down. He seems like he's still at the top of his game. That's a Hall I, of Famer to me. He's getting really close. I mean. He's got work to do to get there, but, yeah, he's getting. he's on the trajectory. Yeah, he's had, I mean, you know, sort of career average speaking, he's had a little bit of bad luck this year on uh, balls in play. And I have said several times on Twitter, and I will continue to say it, that I think there's a very good chance we are about to see Joey Votto's best season. At Um, age 33. At age 33. I mean, the... The power is there, like it's maybe never been since his MVP year. Um... The, uh, he's, you know, the, the fact that he's just not striking out, that's what's most remarkable, is, I mean, we, we are currently existing in the era of the strikeout, and 
Joey Votto is not striking out. He is a power hitter who gets on base a ton who is not striking out. And, okay, here, I pulled this up, so we have to listen to this. This is Joey Votto over the last calendar year. Because and everybody listen because it's beautiful. <laughs> over the last calendar year, Joey Votto has had 200 hits exactly, 42 doubles, two triples, 35 homers, 116 runs, 111 runs batting in, batted in. He has a 350 average, a 455 on base percentage, and a 614 slugging percentage. I mean, holy crap. Uh, dr- he's dreamy. <laughs> that's that's like unfathomable that's you know we're talking ted williams here you it's know. ted williams it's babe ruth it's, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, he's the best i mean i know people are going to get grouchy about this because and they're going to want to argue about whatever hitter means but joey Votto is the best hitter who's ever played for the reds and we should all feel privileged to watch him swing the bat every day. And even if you want to argue that he's not the best hitter that ever played with the Reds, and I'm not going to argue that because I think the case is being made every day and we're so fortunate to watch him. But even if you don't believe he is, he's in the conversation. And if you can't be excited to watch that every single night with this Reds team, I don't know what's wrong with you because it's it's the single most exciting thing. Uh, he's the single most exciting player to watch, I think, probably in my lifetime. And I was a huge Barry Larkin fan. And, uh, I mean, he's no Billy Hamilton. We're excluding Billy Hamilton. He's sort of in the pantheon. But uh, but Votto is just – I'm going to have to lean on you, stay on you to uh, – you need to, to write something at Red Lake Nation about that over the last calendar year because that – I didn't realize it was – I knew it was good. I didn't realize it was that good. That is just uh, – it's mind-blowing. It's – I mean, well, you remember, right, last year in April and May, he slumped sure. really badly, and then basically the calendar turned to June and he turned it on. So in terms of calendar year, like he's been good in April and May this year, and so we're getting to that point now where it's been a full year of Joey Votto being on, except for what, like a week in April this year? Right. Like he's been on for a full calendar year basically at this point, so his numbers are just absurd. And again, you're starting to talk about it. It's not a small sample size at this point. You know, It's a guy yeah. who is uh, – what what I what, why I've always thought he would age well is because he's such a thoughtful – hitter he really cares about marginal improvements and and ways that he can not just improve what he's doing but counteract what pitchers are trying to do to get him out and just always constantly trying to tinker and and trying to figure out trying to trying to smooth things out and improve and so you know i don't know if he's gonna have his best season he looks like he's on track for it but uh, i would not be surprised if he it took a while before the aging curve really sort of started to hammer him a little bit and that, that might mean hall of fame I agree. Well, you were talking about the Hall of Fame. I really do need to write a thing about Votto for Red Lake Nation sometime soon. Because um, you know, I know everybody at this point, I think, knows that I do this coffee and Votto thing, and especially in the summer when school's out, where I sit down with my cup of coffee and I uh, stare at Joey Votto's stats and say things about them on Twitter and basically swoon. What a glorious way to start the day. Yeah. But, you know, I was looking at this and. Um, you know, one of the things about Votto and his career numbers is, I mentioned this earlier, he did get kind of a relatively late start. So his career numbers for this age don't necessarily always stack up against, say, like Johnny Bench or whatever. So I was like, well, what if I just look at, like, you know, these these particular 10 full seasons? And in that case, he basically stacks up against everybody except Joe Morgan. And Joe Morgan is, is a special guy. I mean, you know, Joe Morgan was basically 
Joey Votto, only not quite as good with the bat, but also playing like gold glove caliber defense at second base, second base with yeah. speed. So, like, you know, Joe Morgan was better than Joey Votto. I'm it, not going to claim otherwise. But. And, and it's not a criticism of Votto to say he was not as good as Joe Morgan, because who was? <laughs> no, Joe Morgan's one of the greatest players in the history of baseball. He's the greatest second baseman ever. Yes. Um, but, um, but no, it's it's remarkable. And, you know, at this point, you know, generally speaking, 60 wins above replacement is considered kind of the threshold for um, Hall, the Hall of Fame. Votto's currently at 48.5. I mean, he'll clear 50 this year easily. He'll be, he'll be probably 52, 53 at least when the season ends. Um, and... So then he's got, let's see, what is this? He's got 18, 19, he's got six years left on that contract. And you're telling me he can't get 10 wins above replacement, eight wins above replacement in six years? I'm not telling you that. The longer he keeps this up, the more he potentially works himself into sort of a, a first tier, you know, type type Hall of Famer where where. I mean, it's really just a matter of age. I looked at, at this a bunch last year, and 36 seems to be the age for first baseman. Like, the great first baseman have kept it up till age 36. And then I think, if I'm remembering correctly, everyone who's not Stan Musial kind of seems to taper off after about then. Um, but if he can keep it going for another three or four years, like he has been putting up five, six, seven wins above replacement – in a couple of years, there's not going to be any doubt. And people are not going to be asking if Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. They're just going to be trying to guess when exactly he will get inducted. Right. It's just going to be it's going to be taken for granted. Let me just to veer away just a moment because here's a, something that really just amazes me, and it's not necessarily Reg related, but yeah, Votto is going to get to, to 50 wins above replacement. Mike Trout. <laughs> Mike, Mike Mike Trout is already over 50 wins above replacement in his career, and he's 25 years old. Yeah. That is not possible. It's insane. <laughs> it's not possible. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's, it's... No, yeah, I know. It's um, the only players with more wins above replacement than Mike Trout by age 25 are Ty Cobb and Mickey Mantle. And odds are, by the end of his 20, age 25 season, which is what this is, uh, Mike Trout's going to pass them both. Ty Cobb. And Mickey Mantle. Yeah. I wonder if, and I don't listen to any Angels podcasts, but I wonder if there are Angels uh, podcasts out there where they're saying the same thing we say about Votto, which is, you've got to watch this guy every day. This is a, this is possibly the best player in the history of baseball. I mean, if he doesn't get hurt or experience some sort of strange decline, Mike Trout is the best player in baseball history, period. Oh, if, if he stays healthy, I, I don't see any way that he's not. I mean, literally, we're talking Babe Ruth, Ted Williams. We're talking Willie yeah. Mays. He is uh, certainly in that in in that conversation, but also probably higher. I mean, think yeah. about think about Ichiro Suzuki. He has almost the same number of uh, wins above replacement in his career as Ichiro, and he has one third the number of games played as Ichiro. And Ichiro's a great player. Ichiro's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's, it it. It boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. So, but we're not here to talk about uh, Mike Trout, even though we could really talk about him because he's he's fascinating. Let me let me pose something else to you before. There's another thing I want to get to with the pitchers that uh, we we missed a moment ago. But since we're on the offense, you said earlier, you know, the Reds have a bunch of above average guys, and we sort of talked about Duvall and Shebler being, you know, good major league players, slightly above average, maybe not superstars, but certainly capable major league players and the reds have that sort of around the 
uh, around the lineup a little bit, along with Joey Votto, who's way above average. And, of course, Zach Cozart is, I mean, it's a little bit of an outlier. He's probably not this good, but he, I think, is a legitimate offensive player at this point. I'm convinced uh, with what he's done when healthy over the last three years that he's a legit offensive player at this point. Um, but to me, and the Reds have had one of the best offenses in baseball this year, but to me, the key with this offense being a good offense and possibly being one of the best ones in baseball is over there at the third at the uh, at the hot corner with Eugenio Suarez. If Eugenio Suarez at age 25 again, this is a guy that came up young, not like Duvall and Shebber we were talking or Sabo or Frazier. If Eugenio Suarez is really something close to what we're seeing this year at age 25, that may be the, another cornerstone in the lineup that gives you a chance uh, to combine him with Votto and gives this offense a chance to really be something special. Uh, am I am I off base? Is there a chance of no, that happening? You're completely on base, and I think I mean I think it's legit. I, I've been as you know a Suarez booster for some time, and, and you kind of have too. And I just you know he's kind of turned the corner. He's got the plate discipline under control, which was really the question once he got called up. He always had it in the minors. Um, but he didn't necessarily showcase it in the majors to the same extent. Um, but he seems to have that in line now. He's hitting for the kind of power that he sometimes hit for in the minors. And, you know, I mean, anyone who's finished growing up, I think any any uh, male certainly realizes that, like, when you're 20, your body is not the same as it is when, when you're 25. You kind of, I think almost everybody just kind of, there's just this bulk that naturally puts – it, it just accumulates. And I think he's got that now. And so he's got, he's the power is coming more and um, yeah. And he's comfortable at third base. He's a, a well above average third baseman. Now maybe one of the best third basemen in the league and he's hitting and it's, there's nothing in his numbers that says that this isn't legit. There's nothing that says we should be skeptical other than maybe sample size. Cause we're still not quite at 200 plate appearances this year, but I think he certainly has tossed himself into um, all-star caliber, player and the longer this goes on if this goes on for another quarter of a season we might have to start talking about him in mvp terms well dare to dream but you're right small sample size yes you can make that argument but you look at all the other peripheral numbers and i can't find anything and i've looked i can't find anything in in terms of his rate stats uh nothing that is so crazy out of line that makes you think this is uh, he may not be this good and he's been amazing this year but he may be in this neighborhood, and that when you're talking about a 25-year-old, you're starting to talk about a guy, like you say, certainly an all-star level guy. Hmm. So you have guys like Votto and Suarez as, uh, I'm not going to call Suarez elite, but if he has made that leap to all-star. Hey, if if Suarez is going to play third base like he is and, and hit 296, 375, 556, which is what he's hitting right now, he's elite. Well, his war stats, his wins above replacement stats so far this year are elite. There's no question about yeah. that to this point. And, and, you know, we're 45 games in. We're starting to get there to where it's a, a meaningful sample. But you, you talk about those, he, he and Votto, you get, then you got Duvall and Shebler, that can, mostly just power guys, but can hit with, uh, I would say, elite power. Um, Billy Hamilton doing what he does. You know, that's a yeah. that's a fascinating lineup. And, and I've, I've seen lots of things from Devin Mesoraco now that he's back. I'm very encouraged by Devin Mesoraco's, uh, you know, it's only 18 games that he's been back, but he doesn't necessarily look like 2014 Devin Mesoraco, but he looks like above average hitter Devin Mesoraco, which is mm-hmm. fascinating. I mean, just, uh, it's fascinating to be able to plug him into this lineup uh, that was already doing well. So lot, lots of positives on the offensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, I agree completely. And Devin very much looks like what we wanted to see. And if he keeps it up, you know. And and you and I try to be hopeful. We try to be uh, optimistic. We try to be upbeat a little bit. But I don't think it's unreasonable to really say, oh, man, when when this rotation gets healthy and in less than a month we're told Homer Bailey and Brandon Finnegan could be back. When this uh, and Garrett should be back, hopefully for his next start. When this uh, pitching staff gets healthy, who knows? Who knows? I, I think this is going to continue to be a fun season the rest of the way. I, I really, truly believe that. I agree, and I mean, you know, if say in a month things go well and the repu- and, and the rotation is uh, Bailey, Finnegan, Garrett, Feldman, other, that's not bad. It, yes, it's not. It's not, you know, the the mid nineties Braves. It's not the best uh, rotation you're going to find, but it's not bad. But now, well, this, with this offense, that'll keep you in the game most nights, right? Absolutely. That brings me to the question that I really wanted to to address here, which is this, and and I don't really have an answer. I don't know if you do or not, but it's something that baffles me. Tim Adelman, Asher Wojciechowski, uh, this guy Jake Buchanan that supposedly exists, um, Feldman, Arroyo, with all the injuries the Reds have had, and they got have seven guys on the DL, six are pitchers, with all the injuries to the pitching staff, I can't come up with any explanation from my end, and I will concede that I don't have the all the information that the Reds have, but I don't understand why at least one of Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson aren't getting an opportunity to start in the big leagues. And but and before you before you jump in on that, because I know you've got an opinion here, um, I know Reed has not been successful as a big league pitcher. He needs to learn to pitch in the big leagues, in my mind. Stevenson, I don't, I, you know, I sort of got the sense when I, when I had that conversation with Dick Williams for the podcast that maybe Stevenson might not be in the long term plans in the rotation. And the Reds have, may have reasons for that, but. If ever there were an opportunity to get one of those guys, if one of those guys they think is going to be a long-term starter, to get them some major league innings, boy, now seems like the time. And so I tossed you about ten different questions there all wrapped up in one, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, okay, I'll start with Cody Reed, who I think is is probably the nicer answer, I guess. I don't know anything with Cody Reed necessarily. Um, what I would guess is this and i this is pure theorizing on my part um i would guess that getting knocked around as badly as he did last year probably messed with his head a little bit um and i would not be surprised if they had sent him down to louisville basically to get his head on straight like he's got the talent he i think he's capable of getting people out and i i would generally agree that he needs to learn to pitch at the major league level at this point. Um, But he also probably, you know, it's been a while, I think since Cody Reed has really experienced success. Um, And I think if you go a while as, as a professional in anything where you feel like you're failing day after day after day at your job, eventually that's going to get to you. Um, So I would not be surprised. Um, And he has a reputation. I will say this as someone who is, um, not a power. He's very coachable. He's very, you know, willing to listen. Um, but they may just be sitting him, sending him down, not as punishment, but just as a go down to Louisville, 
have some good starts, you know, have, have a good, have a good run. And, uh, then we'll bring you back and we'll give you a go. Um, you know, it's notable. I think that they sent him down to Louisville to start. And, um, you know, he has started there and he's done pretty okay so far in his starts. Um, Okay. All that is, all that is reasonable. Uh, and and that may be exactly. Well, let, me, what the, let, let me keep going. Oh, okay. Well, are you suggesting I interrupted you there, Jason? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and so you know, I take that. And again, you know, we're still very much in a. It's not about not entirely about 2017. It is largely about 2018 still. So they may really want 2018 Cody Reed much more than 2017 Cody Reed. With Robert Stevenson, kind of. It, I think it also says a lot that they have not sent him back down to Louisville even though, frankly, he struggled about as much as Cody Reed has in the majors. They have not sent him down to Louisville to work as a starter. I would not be surprised if they had said something to Robert Stevenson along the lines of, when you show us that you can throw strikes, then we might give you an opportunity to start. But you have not shown us this yet. I kind of think Robert Stevenson is in ultimatum territory, uh, where he may, as you know, to be in re- a reliever unless he proves otherwise. Whereas I think Cody Reed, they probably are still looking at the development angle for him and trying to make sure that he's ready to go when uh, 2018 starts. Okay. And Stevenson, I think that uh, all the available evidence, certainly, I think probably leads me to the same conclusion there. I, you know, I, I'm starting to wonder if he's maybe on the outs. Not necessarily, they haven't necessarily given up on him being a starter, but uh, he's going to have to show them something that he has not shown them. But with Cody Reed, everything you say is certainly a possibility. I, and, and again, the Reds know more than I do, I'm going to presume. But I'm looking at a team that is starting Tim Adelman. I didn't mention a moment ago, Luis Alberto Bonilla. Let me just say that again because that's fun to say. Luis Alberto Bonilla. Oh, man. He might be my favorite player now. Uh, but starting Adelman, Bonilla. They're starting possibly Asher Wojciechowski. They're starting Bronson Arroyo. They're starting Scott Feldman. Those five guys, I would be surprised if any of those five are starters for the Reds on the next good Reds team. Cody Reed could be that starter, uh, a starter on the next good Reds team. And, again, they may know more about how to uh, how to effectuate Cody Reed's development as a starter than I do. I will concede that. But what an opportunity to get big league starts and learn on the big league level how to get out big league hitters. And instead, they're choosing Adelman, Bonilla, Wojciechowski, Arroyo, Feldman. And when you put it that way, it really boggles the mind that the Reds, not that they, I don't want to say they've given up on Cody Reed. They certainly haven't, but they may have given up on first half 2017 Cody Reed. And it seems like an awfully good opportunity to let him struggle. What's it going to hurt in the big leagues unless they think it's going to hurt, I don't know, his psyche or something? I mean, I think, you know, of those you listed, Feldman is the only one who's really a major league pitcher. Um, Sad as that is. Um, But gosh, you know, as you've noted, like, poor, um, I mean, let's just run through them. Um, Disco's hurt. Homer's hurt. Finnegan's hurt. Sal Romano's hurt. I'm probably missing somebody. <laughs> well, Amir, Amir Garrett at this point. Yeah, Amir's hurt, but hopefully just for one start. Right. Um, 
that's a major league starting rotation right there. It's yeah. a pretty good major league starting rotation, probably. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's pretty ugly. I just, I, I can't, it just seems to me that it's a great opportunity to say, Cody, we know you're going to struggle. We believe in you. You're our guy. We expect you to be a, a, a stud for this organization for in future years. Let's get this thing figured out right now on the Major League Pitching staff with Major League coaches, with a manager who is a former uh, well-respected Major League Pitching coach. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm dumb, I know, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I. You're right about Stevenson, though. I mean, I think Stevenson is much more – it's much easier to understand Stevenson, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Do you think – I mean, because the assumption was, and I think probably the accurate assumption was, that, that Amir Garrett went down for a couple weeks to Louisville because of a service time issue. Do you think they might be looking to hold on, see if they can grab that extra year of service time out of Cody Reed also? I wonder if that might factor into it. It's, it's certainly a possibility. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's certainly a possibility, although I would think we're getting close to the time where that would be – where he would have, uh, yeah. I mean, he was up for a while last year. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting possibility. Know. Yeah, that's that's when I say we don't have, we have imperfect information. Uh, we don't know how those uh, conversations are happening, and you want to trust the big the front office guys. But oh, this is an ugly rotation right now. It yeah, it, it, it very much is. And it's even more frustrating. We've seen ugly rotations in Cincinnati before. We you know, we lived through the Jimmy Haynes era, but they got such a good offense right now. The bullpen has continued to be outstanding, and so it's, it just it hurts to see this one area. The defense is good; just this starting rotation is really the only thing that's holding them back, and it's so bad that it's really holding them back. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's you know who thought that last year, who thought last year that this year we'd be saying thank God for the bullpen, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Gosh, the bullpen was the bane of all of our existences last year. Um, but it's fun bullpen this year. I'll, I'll, that, that bunch out there, that's exciting. Whenever they come to the game, it's exciting. Unfortunately, they're coming into the game in the fourth inning far too often. Yeah, if we could get them coming in in the sixth or the seventh, we'd really have a lot more working. Yeah, really. But, you know, everybody said 2018. A lot of people said 2019, but uh, a lot of people were pointing to 2018 as the year the Reds would be back in contention. And it's getting to the point now where, and again, maybe I'm too optimistic here, but I don't think you have to squint too hard to see the Reds being legit next year if they can get a, a, the rotation together. I, I think they, you know, we're not talking about maybe being beating the Cubs, and we're not, maybe not talking about a World Series team next year, but we're talking about a competitive team that's right in the thick of things. And uh, man, that's that's fun. That's fun to me. That is fun, and I mean, you know, it's also important to remember that there are a couple of. Uh... You know, thinking about next year, there are also still a couple of pretty highly talented prospects who are right on the cusp of sort of knocking on the door. I don't think anybody thinks Tyler Molly's going to be in Double A much longer. Um, Nick Senzel is certainly making a case to be moved up to um, be moved up to Double A. So there, there are more guys coming. This is a system that, relatively speaking, is loaded right now. Um, and you know, sure, there's stuff to sort out with the pitching, but yeah, it, it doesn't take really much effort at all to um, to think that, that, that the Reds might have something going really sooner rather than later. If, you, if you're if you down, it seems to me right now, if you're down on the, the Reds the next couple of years, if you're not buying stock in the Reds the next two or three years, you're really searching for something to be huh. negative about it, to be upset about, <laughs> because it may not pan out, 
but most of the signs, I'm not going to say all the signs, most of the signs are extremely positive. This this organization, after sort of struggling for most of my life, uh, we, it, they've been bad. And for the last few years, they've been drifting in the wind. But finally, their point, the trajectory is good. I think so, anyway. I, I would tend to agree. Um, yeah, I think... I. I think this. I mean, look. Does anybody really think this team is is worse than last year? <laughs> I mean, it's a much improved team over last year. <laughs> They're a heck of a lot more fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and even if they have a losing record again this year, this team is so much more enjoyable to watch on a day to day basis than last year. Last year was a struggle. This year, man, up and down the line, if there are guys you can get excited about or you're, that you're interested to watch, or it's a it's a fun team. You know, they're not a championship team yet, but it's a fun team to me. Uh, and maybe that's because I've been beaten down the last three years. But this is as fun a team as we've had in, in a while. And, and I'm enjoying it. Win or lose, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, per- preferably win, though, right? If, it, if it's between win and lose, preferably win would be better. Yeah. I would generally speaking prefer win. I would say win is usually the way to go. All right, one last question. Well, first of all, is there anything else you think that we haven't touched on that you'd like to uh, dig into? Um, you know, I think we, I think we've, we've covered. Yeah, we beat this dead horse enough. Yeah, I mean, it's we've got. You know, I was just looking. I mean, this is just interesting. I was clicking around on things when we we're doing these that um, looking for positive signs about the Reds' pitchers. Um, the Reds are like slightly above average as a team. Their pitchers are in terms of how often they strike out opposing players they're second to last in major league baseball and walks which pretty much anyone could tell you who has paid any attention um but you know file that under walks will haunt and if the walks go down if they get the control so which is basically kind of meshes with i think how we all probably feel which is there are a lot of guys who can throw the ball pretty darn hard but but they don't always throw it where they want to and they're young so that's still okay it's different if they're 29 and not doing that but they're 22 3 4 5 so, you know, there's hope. They they have the capacity to strike guys out. They just have to make sure they get it over the plate a little more often. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me uh let me name three guys for you here to uh as we wrap things up here because this is the last question I wanted to ask you. And in terms of um, here's the three names I'm going to give you. Ricky Henderson, Tim Raines, Billy Hamilton. Out of those three, who's the best leadoff hitter? Ricky Henderson. <laughs> Jason, it's been nice having you on your final appearance on the Red Leg Nation radio podcast, uh, episode number 169, so long. Um, <laughs> I want to thank all of you for listening to us, downloading, listening to us uh, goof around and have a good time talking about this Cincinnati Reds team. They are they are fun. Um, if, you, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, we're, we're everywhere. Subscribe to us. Give us a rating and a review. That helps other people find us. We always say... Uh, tell your friends if you like us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. But help uh, help spread the word because we're having a fun time here every week talking about the Reds. And I know if you're listening to us, you must love this team uh, like we do. Else why would you waste your time? You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C. You can uh, follow us all, all on uh, Twitter at Red Leg Nation. And then come to RedLegNation.com every single day where we've been writing about the uh, Cincinnati Reds it's every single day, day after day, year after year for more than a dozen years. Uh, Jason, appreciate you joining me again, buddy. 
Always glad to do it, Chad. And I may consider letting you come back on. Oh, of course. I couldn't do it without you, man. So so great. <laughs> uh, we have a great time every time, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.